Our scripture reading today will be in the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14. So we are in the book of John chapter 14. We will actually be reading the entire chapter. Uh, Pastor Doug is not preaching the entire chapter today, but he assures me this is necessary. So, So John chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we do not know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you this, all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am, the, I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father, who lives in me, does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father." You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it is looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and he will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me uh, will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things not while I am these now, while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I have told you. I am not going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father, who is greater than I am. 
I have told you these things before. They will happen so that when they do, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how much you love us. Lord, we thank you for revealing this truth all through Scripture, through your Son, Lord. Lord, we ask that as we go forward in this uh, service, that you would be the center of our attention. Lord, as we listen to the words that Pastor Doug brings to us, may they be music to your ears. And Lord, may they be challenging to us. May they be uplifting to us. Lord, we pray that we would be able to keep all distractions out of our hearts and minds this morning while we listen to your truth. Lord, we, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be so loud in our ears that we wouldn't be able to hear anything else this morning. Lord, please go with us as we journey into your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most fearful times that I've ever been given a challenge to speak in front of a group of individuals it was during a time of when the particular church that we were at at that particular moment was hosting a group of missionaries who had come off the field who were discouraged. They were looking for hope. They were looking for reason to continue in their ministry and the missions committee of that particular church in conjunction with a number of different mission boards brought them in. Of course, we, we fed them, had fellowship with them. And then the senior pastor at that time, who was not me, said to me, you're teaching the first lesson. And I said, what do I teach? What am I supposed to say? And the pastor reminded me that what you need to say is what the Word of God says. There's many ways in which we try to find hope. We try to find comfort. We try to find a way in which to circumvent our life in order to have some kind of semblance of sanity. But as I stood before this missions group, I could see it in their eyes of an emptiness that had long escaped. They wondered, what's the use? They're so used to hearing of stories of individuals who have been that successful on the mission field that they felt, too, that they needed to be there in order to bring hundreds if not thousands of pagans to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ but many of them being on the field for over 20 years had not yet seen one individual trust Christ what do we do what do we share I doubt some of you are in that same kind of predicament, if you will, as the missionaries were. But I will say this, I do believe that no matter where we are in our Christian walk, there are days of peril. 
We're looking for hope. We're looking for comfort. We want to know the reality of the scriptures as it meets that particular moment, which doesn't seem to meet anything at all. I think you can put yourselves in the same predicament as the 12 in the upper room. When you begin to realize that as this particular passage in John chapter 14, we're going to be spending six weeks here because there are six key ingredients that we'll get to later. But as the disciples are gathering with Jesus in this upper room experience, they too were faced with, let not your heart be troubled. There were some things that Jesus was saying that arose in them a reality of what are we going to do? What, what is he talking about? John, you're, you're right next to the heart of Jesus. What is he saying? Give to us some indication. And John is probably going, I don't know. I don't know what he's saying. And so this morning, I could tell you that if you come to Jesus, it won't rain. Or that if you will no longer have to experience difficulties, trials, delays, or disappointments. And if I did tell you, you might just shout and clap and smile, but I can't tell you that because that's not true. I can say that if you come to Jesus or focus on Jesus, that you will be in his presence. I can't tell you that you won't have any storms. I can't tell you that you'll never have a storm. That's a lie. And some of you understand that. Some of you are aware of that. But I can tell you that if you keep your eyes on Christ and the promises in his words, he will be your covering when it does storm. He'll be your umbrella, if you will. He will be the shelter that guards your emotions, your dreams, and even the deepest parts of who you are. He will protect and nurture that part of who you are. And we call that the very core of our being, our spirit. It's a place where within you that ever embodies the truest and most authentic parts of who you are. Yet, not only will Jesus cover you, but he will also use the trials and troubles of life to guide you into a brighter tomorrow. I know that life can and it does hurt. I, and I know that many have experienced pain at a level that even I can't fully identify with. But rather than allow that hurt to lead you onto a path of bitterness, you can receive the comfort Jesus offers. And that's the reason for our, our present journey into some of the most comforting words from our Savior that is recorded in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled.
I want to take some time with you as we look at six key truths to, st to still a troubled heart. But before we begin, we need to start at the most important place. That's the throne of God. Can we pray again, please? God, we're all hurting. We have questions of why. We struggle with events of life. And there's times when, if we would confess, that we would just like to walk away. We would like to throw our spiritual arms up and say, what's the use? And yet, O oh Lord God, you have for us words of comfort. Words that are more than just black dots formed on a piece of white paper. The words are words of reality, the words of promise. They are words from you. And so, Lord God, that which we lack in our understanding, I pray that you would fill in the blanks. That which we find ourselves in need of, I pray, O oh God, that we would realize that only in you can we find the rest that we need. And in the midst of our storms, O oh Lord God, I pray that we would hang on. Hang on to your promises. Hang on to your person of who you are. Hang on to the reality that in you and you alone is our being. You are our everlasting God. You are the one in whom, the wonderful Savior, the King of kings, Lord of lords, that even in the midst of the storm, you can still rise and say, peace, be still. So I ask, oh God, this morning for words of encouragement, words of what comes from this passage in John chapter 14. And I thank you that you knew in advance that we would need these words. And so we dedicate, oh Lord God, to service ourselves our ears, our hearts, the very depths of our soul, we dedicate them to you and ask, oh God, that you would meet us here today and teach us that which we need to know. And we will thank you and praise you in your name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, I did instruct Pastor Steve, my son, to read the whole chapter. I didn't hear any of you heads bang on the back of the, or the front of the pew. You didn't fall asleep. There's a reason being because, and literally, this whole chapter should be preached as just one topic. Let not your heart be troubled. It begins with that statement, and it ends with that statement. But in between that, there are these wonderful six key truths. 
This morning, I want to deal with just the first one, which is there's a place that's being prepared. A place that's being prepared. There is no artistic picture of what the throne room of God looks like. So I couldn't put it up there. But I did put this up here because like you, I have seen sunrises and sunsets that sort of match this particular picture. And what crosses my heart instantly is this. Lord, is today the day? Today may be the day when Jesus comes. I don't know how many times I've said that, and he has not yet come, but yet still, there's a place that is being prepared. Without being redundant, but yet at the same time to draw our attention to the passage, take your Bibles once more and turn to John 14. I want to reread for you the first six verses again. Pastor Steve did a marvel job in, in reading that whole passage. But I want to go back and just reiterate the first six verses for you. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This one thing that I am, I, I am convinced, if you will, that... The greater development of character does not come during times of easiness. The greater development of character comes through times of adversity. It's easy to praise the Lord when all things are running well in our lives, and yet, when we face adversity, there seems to be a lack of praise, and unfortunately, there's a rise of disdain because God hasn't measured up to our expectations. If you go back and reread chapter 13 prior to chapter 14, you will find that out. In that particular 13th chapter, you will be awakened to some of the discussion that is going on between the 12 disciples and Jesus. Jesus is talking about an individual who is going to betray him. 
He doesn't give the name. But he highlights it not only in John, but also in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That Jesus says, the one whom I dip the bread in and give to, that is the one. And and you can just begin to imagine the gaze that's going on. Who's it going to be? The Gospels also tells us that finally when Judas, who is Iscariot, when he leaves, the disciples believe that he's just going out to take care of some business. They're not even really aware of what's going on. And then Peter, as as Jesus talks about being turned over to the hands of individuals who are going to misuse him, who's going to crucify him, Peter steps forward and says, I'll be there. I won't let them do that to you. I'll be the one who will never forsake you. And all the disciples heard that. And you can probably hear an underpinning murmuring. Yeah, 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 we're with Peter. We're with Peter. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I'd do that too. But then Jesus says, Peter... Before tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. Can you imagine the hush in that room? Can you even begin to understand the fact of it is that maybe the disciples began to catch a vision of, is this really worth it? Is this following Jesus really worth it? Especially when Jesus said, all of you are going to leave me. All of you. They were with him for three years. Three and a half years probably by this time. They saw it all. They heard it all. They were aware of the fact of what Jesus was telling them and yet still now in this very, what was to be a very exalted and exciting celebration, now it has become deadened. And Jesus gives them comfort when he says, let not your heart be troubled. In the original Greek, as Pastor Steve read it, his translation is, is a little bit clearer because it begins, it should really say, don't let your heart be troubled. There in that particular statement is a choice. It's a choice. We find ourselves in that choice every single day. The choice is, am I going to be a follower of Christ according to his word? Or will I choose not to? We're not exempt from that. That's an everyday decision. It's a kind of a decision that even before your feet hit the carpet or wooden floors, whatever you have in your bedroom, 
During the winter, you probably wish you had carpet. But anyway, you say, today, I choose to follow my Savior. Why? Why would we do that? We've never seen him. We've never beheld him doing his miracles. We don't know what it's like to be able to feed about 15,000 people with a little boy's lunch. All of you chefs in the, in the congregation know what it is to put a little bit more water in the soup. But 15,000? We don't know what it's like to see him stand in the front of the boat and speak so that the storm ceases. In fact, we don't even know what it's like to see him hang on a cross. And yet he asks us, if you believe in God, believe also in me. That is a powerful statement. It all comes down to that little word, trust. Jesus said, do you trust me? Well, what is it about this prepared place? Well, first of all, it's promised. It's a promised place. Let me ask you a rhetorical question, meaning you don't have to respond if you don't want to. Some of you are already in another realm. We call that sleep. So let me just go on here. Has there ever been a promise that God has not fulfilled? None. There's one yet to be fulfilled. And you remember that picture? That's the one I'm looking for. The promise of going home. But we're not. This particular place that God has, or Jesus has promised, it's captured in one of his statements when it says, in my father's house are many mansions. Some of your translations say rooms. Well, you can be satisfied with a room if you want. I just want to know what a mansion looks like. We've gotten into this habit that on uh, Netflix, we watch this series called The Crown. And... The palace that the queen has lived in for 70 years. How many rooms are in there? Well, you can have a room in Buckingham Palace all you want. But I'm looking for a mansion in my daddy's house. A mansion just a little bit bigger than a room. I'm going to need it so I can turn my lawn tractor around. <laughs> and, and, and the reason I, I say that 
is because it's a personal place. It's captured in the phrase, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus knows everything about you. He understands the very depths that we reside and try to hide. He, he understands that. He knows exactly what you need. And that just doesn't meet us here on this earth. That will be all of eternity in our mansions. They're going to be fashioned by him when he says, I go to prepare a place for you. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a massive meeting hall. We get a glimpse of that in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Where the throne room of God is housing not only <coughs> four creatures around the throne, but thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000, all saying, Worthy is a lamb who was slain. That is a big sanctuary. That's over millions of people and quite frankly it's over thousands of years Moses Abraham Sarah David Solomon Nebuchadnezzar read the book of Daniel Nehemiah Ezra they'll be there the choir directors that are listed for us in the, in the book of Psalms will be raising their arms. Orchestras are ready to clash. And all of a sudden, the lamb comes in. And then the song breaks out. Worthy. And it won't be that quiet. Those of you that don't have, you can't carry a tune in a bucket, you won't need one. You'll know the words like that, you'll know the tune like that, and we'll all be in unison singing to the glory of our God. And then when the service is over, you go to your mansion, mow your lawn. I don't know. But it is a prepared place it's a personal place it's also a protected place because why because Jesus says that where I am there you'll be also where I am there you will be also To think of it as a, pr a protected place reminds me of what Jesus even said while he was on this earth when he says, no man can pluck you from my hands. We're protected. Oh, but pastor, storms are beaten on my ship. 
dark clouds, a gathering on the horizon. Don't you understand my battle? Yes, but you're still protected because there's nothing that can happen to you that first must pass through the fingers of Christ. Nothing. You're protected. And to be in that place that is protected because Jesus stands guard. Jesus stands guard. How do you know that? Because Jesus said it's a provided place. And the only way in is what Jesus says. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There won't be any counterfeit passports. There won't be any unidentified invitations. There won't be any counterfeits milling around the streets of gold. Jesus said the only way there is through me. It's protected. It is a promised, personal, protected, and provided place. But like us, Thomas has a question. Uh, uh, I got a question, Jesus. Yeah, Tom, what is it? That's in another translation. I just thought I'd fill that in for you. What is it? Uh, we don't know the way. And we got no idea where you're going. Thomas, I'm the way. Now, just stop there, right there. Just stop right there. What Jesus literally is saying is this, is that the way you don't know is me. Thomas, do you really understand who I am? Are you aware of the powerful statement that you have just said. You have spent three and a half years with me and you're questioning the way? Oh, but don't we do that here? We do the same thing. We find ourselves in the questioning moment. Jesus, you must have made a huge mistake. It didn't turn out the way we wanted. And Jesus has come back and say, but you don't understand. I'm the, I'm the one fashioned it. It's me. I'm the way. I'm the way. Out and about of our society, there are many who feel, who think, who believe, who teach, who philosophize. I don't know if there's such a word, but 
that they know differently than the way. When you go to the book of Acts, the early church was not known as Christian. They were known as people of the way, the truth. They are people who are identified with the way maker, this Jesus. The term Christian came in later. In fact, it was a derogatory term. Those Christians. Yeah. We are people of the way. Maybe Thomas missed it. I guarantee you he got it later. Because Jesus even said, all you guys, you're going to have a problem believing this. In fact, you're not going to believe it. But that's okay. There'll be a time when it will become real to you. And then you'll understand. If you were to go to chapter 17, 16, and 17 of John's gospel, you will find out that as Jesus takes his 12 to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane, he only takes three with him in deeper, while the other nine, or at that time the other eight, are out there sleeping. They didn't believe. They didn't understand. Jesus said, I'm the one on the way. I am he. There's no other way but me. What are you trusting this morning? If I was to pass out to you a, a piece of paper and ask you the question, what are you relying on to get you to heaven? What would you fill in? Would you place what Thomas said? I don't understand. Or would you write what John later stated for us in his epistle known as 1 John? 1 John 5. 11, 12, and 13. And this is the witness. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. But he who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things I've written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life and that you will continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That's the key. Do you know Christ? True and reality for this time of discouraged hearts you must first remember, yes, we have a prepared place. 
We have a home. But how do we get there? It's in Jesus Christ. Do you know him? If you don't, if you've never come to that place in your life where you have personally asked Christ to forgive you, to be your Savior, I ask that you would seek me out. Seek out Pastor Steve, elders of the congregation, deacons of the congregation, Sunday school teachers. We would love to be able to take the word of God and show you how you can know. Then you will understand. The opposite of Thomas's question is, wow, I can't wait to go because I know the way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this passage. Short as it is, but yet packed full of truth. The home from yet where we understand we will spend the rest of our lives eternally in your presence is being prepared. The reason you've not yet come is because it's not yet finished. And there have been those amongst our congregation and our neighbors and our community who have already been translated from this earth to your presence because their mansion was done. And there's going to be a glorious reunion. But until that time, we face struggles. We face discouragement. We face questions. And we want to know reasons why. And yet Jesus reminds us, trust. If you believe in God, believe also in me. That's the key, trust. When the times of when our hearts are troubled, remind us, O oh Lord, first of all, that there's a place that is awaiting us. More glorious than we could ever begin to imagine. And that may just get us over the hump of discouragement for today. But Lord God, we, I dedicate this congregation to your care. And may you be their time of comfort when it comes to storms of life. And I'll praise you and thank you in the Master's name. Amen.